Here's a verse of the Bible which everyone knows, except that they don't. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 does not say money is the root of all evil. It actually says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Uh, that's a much more accurate translation, but it's not quite as snappy, is it, as money is the root of all evil? Which is why the blunt version has survived. It has the advantage of being comprehensive, memorable, and sensational. Money is the root of all evil. It gets dropped into conversations as an epitaph. When the banker is busted for fraud, we say, ah, it just goes to show you, money is the root of all evil. In 2011, this line was commonly placarded at the Occupy movements that were held across the world, those protests against global capitalism. Uh, when I visited the London protest outside St Paul's Cathedral, I was surprised by how often the phrase was mentioned by protesters just in general conversation. In fact, I was surprised in general at how many protesters spoke in very biblical terms. As a placard, this saying, money is the root of all evil, is pleasingly reductionist. If we're looking for a radical solution, uh, remember radical means going to the root, then money is the root of all evil is an obvious slogan. It's simple then to focus on the financial system as the source of all our woes. But it was interesting when I spoke to one protester about the verse, I said to him, do you know that actually the verse does not say money is the root of all evil? He said, no. I said, no. It says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And I said to him, you know that you can love money whether you're rich or poor, can't you? This hit home with him. We'd just been chatting about the fat cat bankers who walked past St. Paul's Cathedral every day, and he had been wistfully spinning a tale of these bankers' imagined lifestyles. Oh, how he wished to live the life of Riley that they were living. The protester was unemployed, living in a tent, but he realized that he was just as capable of a love of money as any pinstriped city worker. He'd been plotting the demise of the global financial system. He'd been speaking of expropriating the wealth of the 1% to build a better world. But what if money wasn't exactly the problem? What if the love of money was the radical evil at the heart of us all? You see, there's no new world order that can get to the heart. There's no fat cat tax that can fix the affections. If we're looking for roots... We need to go deeper than money. We must get to the heart. Don't get me wrong, I mean, money can be a deadly, deadly trap. As Paul has just said in verse 9 of 1 Timothy chapter 6, he says, People who want to get rich fall into temptation, excuse me, fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. This is such strong language. And in verse 10, straight after Paul says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, he says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money is incredibly dangerous. Just consider some of the phrases that we've already thought about on reading between the lines. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You cannot serve God and money. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. It's easier to get a camel through the eye of a needle than a rich man into heaven. Money has every chance of becoming a competing god in our lives. In Paul's language, it's something that can tempt, ensnare, inflame. It can make us covet. 
But money itself is not the problem. It's the love of money that is so very dangerous. Which is why Paul's revolutionary teaching on riches does not focus on redistribution of wealth. Instead, he rounds off the chapter like this, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Sharing the wealth is part of what Paul charges to the rich, but it's only part. Notice the true riches which Paul directs us to. The living God gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's so important because Money as a competing God promises to give us freedom and comfort and protection and provision. But money can't really deliver on those things. And if we trust in uncertain riches, then they will prove a snare. Instead, Paul says to us, look to the unsearchable riches of Christ, as we thought about a few days ago. Christ is given to us so freely and so fully. He is the heir of the cosmos and he shares all things generously with us. One day in the future, he will show us our inheritance here on the renewed earth and it will take our breath away. In the words of Isaiah chapter 33, we will see the king in his beauty and a land that stretches afar. So don't love money. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Everything you seek with money is more than fulfilled in Christ. So look to Him, because He's given to you for free.